Good morning. I'm Aya Wimala. Oh, and I need my glasses. Hold on one second. <laughs> Sorry for that. These may darken, so <laughs> they're not my usual reading glasses. Well, uh, as I said, it's July 15th, and we're still having kind of dreary weather, and then we'll have a breakthrough of the sun. So, it's a little dark today. I want to read some more from Dhamma Everywhere, and then we'll still have time to sit together. But this book is just full of such good information. I think for people at any stage in their meditation practice, as long as you are uh, meditating, and even if you're a, a new beginner, this is helpful information in how we really need to see meditation, which is not just uh, practice on the cushion, but it's how we live our lives and how we carry, how we develop insight and wisdom and then how we carry ourselves through our daily lives. So, we were looking at, when we last met, at some of, uh, some of his uh, ending thoughts on one chapter and some different, uh, he calls it in a nutshell, and kind of summing up things he had been talking about. So he was, he's talking about momentum and how we need momentum. We need to be, we need to get into uh, the practice so we're carrying it off the cushion into our daily lives and essentially practicing from waking up in the morning until we fall asleep at night. So I'll start with this. This is page 117 in his book, Dhamma Everywhere. Most yogis, and when he says yogis, he means meditators. When most yogis know that they ought to practice diligently. However, few yogis are clear on how to practice diligently. Many yogis work diligently to focus on an object. In reality, we are practicing to properly understand the underlying characteristics of an object. Instead of using only effort to practice, we also need to use awareness along with intelligence to learn about these objects. Only then will understanding arise when we say vidya is needed. The kind of vidya we're talking about is not focusing energy. The kind of idea that's needed is perseverance. Applying our knowledge, the right attitude, and wisdom is what's needed for right effort. And that right effort is sama vayama, vayama. So it's perseverance. That's the right effort. That's the right kind of energy. We just keep going. It's not it's not like running a, 
sprint, running a race. It's, it's just continually keeping our eye on the path. Meditation is practicing to recognize objects as they arise, it's arising within us, and developing wisdom in the mind that is observing these objects. It is not the work of mindfulness meditation to make objects disappear. We are not meditating to get rid of objects, nor are we trying to see or create experiences in the present based on our preconceived ideas of meditation. We practice to recognize and to understand the nature of whatever is happening. Knowing what is wrong is very important. It's only when you recognize what is wrong then that you will also begin to understand what is right. There is a lot you can learn from what you think are unfavorable, unfavorable conditions for meditation. There may be unhappiness or suffering. Don't make judgments that these conditions are bad for practice. There is no such thing as bad meditation. In Dhamma, there is only what's happening. Accept the situation and be aware. It's already good if you are aware of what's happening. However, people pay attention mostly to what is happening and just go around in circles as a result of having judged something as good or bad. There is no need to try to control or restrict your movements when you are meditating. Don't walk very slowly or too fast. Just walk at a natural pace. Do whatever you need to do naturally throughout the day. You are learning and practicing to see how you can better pay attention and be aware of whatever is happening. So comparing the mind and body, the physical form, which one is faster? The mind, of course. So instead of slowing down your bodily movements, practice to sharpen and strengthen your mental faculties so that they become natural. We can see without looking. We can hear without listening. We can also smell without sniffing. In the same way, we can be naturally aware without focusing without putting in forceful energy. Once there is a natural awareness, we only work to maintain it for longer periods. I like that. Once there is a natural awareness, we only work to maintain it for longer periods. You see things as they are happening. Isn't it considered even better awareness when you are able to see all of this compared to seeing only one thing. When there's a lot of delusion, it's difficult to observe even one object. As the mind's receiver becomes even stronger, it can be aware of many objects and capture many more channels because the strength and scope of awareness widens. There is so much arising at the six sense doors in this present moment. If you are able to be aware of as many of these as possible, 
Isn't that samasati, or the right uh, mindfulness? So the fact that the mind can see more objects in vipassana, or insight, means that sati is getting stronger. It is harder for moha to arise when the mind is knowing with some wisdom present. That's why wisdom, excuse me, that's why wisdom needs to be in there along with awareness. When you have become more experienced with the practice, you ought to be able to meditate with any of the six sense objects. And remember, that includes the mind, so that would be with our thoughts. So we could, we could meditate with smell only, just seeing what arises. That would be a great one to do out of doors, where there are lots of fragrances. Let's read a little bit more and then we'll sit. Yogis tell me how difficult it is to practice in their daily lives because there are so many more objects outside than here at the center. What kind of objects do you think they are referring to? True, there are many more conceptual objects outside, like cars, people, or buildings. That's what people pay attention to, but only because they haven't understood ultimate reality. Ultimate reality here is also real ultimate reality outside. There are only six sense doors objects in the retreat center and only six sense doors or objects in daily life. There is nothing more interesting than, use Dhamma, than using Dhamma in daily life. People don't use the Dhamma that much in daily life because they don't know the quality, value, and inherent worth of the Dhamma. Someone who really practices outside will know the value of this practice as something they can't do without. You need to modify your ideas about meditation practice. You're not returning home. You're going back to another retreat center. Think of your home as a retreat center. Right now you view walking meditation here differently from walking outside in daily life. Here in the retreat center, maintaining awareness takes priority for you. Outside, there is a lot more eagerness when the ideas of my house, my home, or my family are propelling you. So you need to begin by altering the way you see your home. Practice becomes smoother when your views towards your home are similar to your views towards a retreat center. Right now, as soon as you go home, all the tasks you need to do outside already take priority. This has a lot to do with attitude. When you are outside again, keep checking your attitudes, views, thinking, and background ideas. When you begin to view your home in the same way that you view the meditation center, your practice, your practice will also work out. 
There are so many opportunities to practice generosity or dana out in daily life. For example, you give way to a person who wants to get past you while you're driving. Isn't that dana or generosity? Is it dana only when you offer money? What about giving someone space? Moving over and giving the spot you were going to take for yourself is dana. We are practicing dana whenever we are giving. When I was practicing in the market, I noticed that people didn't really pay attention to where they were going because they were absorbed in their thoughts or counting money as they walked. We had a lot of people walking around anxious or lost in thoughts. They kept bumping into me so many times that I got upset. I had to keep moving out of their way. There was awareness present as I just gently moved over for them. As I kept moving out of people's way, I found myself starting to enjoy giving over that space. When you start to have awareness, you'll see these things. What about smiling? Doesn't that make the other person happy to see that? What's easier on the eyes, a scowling face or a smiling face? So Donna is not just about money. Giving space is Donna too. Give what you can, if you can. Of course, all of this depends on the quality of mind. If the mental state is negative, there's nothing you'll want to give. When the mental qualities are wholesome, then it's easier to give whenever someone needs or asks for something. We practice to bring out awareness and to strengthen wholesome qualities in the mind. We become aware of what objects when the mental faculties are balanced and sharp enough to be aware of them. We don't see something just because we want to see it. We only see as much as we are capable of seeing. Intentionally putting strength into our practice doesn't necessarily strengthen awareness. We'll only lose that energy. Only when there is wisdom combined with awareness will the mind grow in strength. When we meditate with the right attitude and right view, our mind and spiritual faculties will improve, fueling a wholesome desire, and that word is chanda, to continue practicing. So we all want that, right? We want to have fueled in us a wholesome desire to continue our practice. Alternatively, practicing with defilement-motivated attitudes will weaken the mind and body. We will also get bored with the practice, eventually losing the wholesome desire to keep on meditating. Why is it that the Dhamma and the practice don't follow yogis to their daily lives? Why don't yogis sustain the desire to meditate continuously and consistently? It is because many yogis come to rest instead of coming to learn to be skillful in growing understanding. 
A yogi whose practice is aimed at developing calm may stop practicing wholeheartedly when she reaches that state. On the other hand, a yogi who practices to understand the truth will not rest until she has understood thoroughly. If yogis become skillful in developing understanding, then they could use this practice anywhere. In fact, when the mind is in a calm, steady state, it is in a position to do Dhamma investigation. It's ready to practice with intelligence and ready to study and learn about what is happening. If we don't realize that this is the way to proceed at this point, the greedy mind will just step in and enjoy this calm state, which is exactly what many yogis do. Why are we meditating? Do we meditate to calm the mind down, or do we practice to understand things as they are? Tranquility is not an end goal, but a side effect in mindfulness meditation. When we understand Dhamma nature, very deep tranquility comes as an inherent part of this wisdom. I think that's, uh, we'll stop there, but that we end on a very important point. You know, we, we learn tranquility and calmness when we begin to learn meditation because we need to have that ability to uh, calm our minds, to begin working with the mind. But then that's not the end goal. When we truly understand Dhamma nature, very deep tranquility comes as an inherent part of this wisdom. But that tranquility comes with the wisdom we develop from understanding things as they truly are. So it's subtle, but one is a calmness and tranquility that comes from um, where, where we just need, you know, feel like we need to have that in our lives. But we need to keep going. We need to keep uh, what we're truly looking for is that deeper tranquility that comes with wisdom. So that's what we're developing. So why don't we sit together? Just gently close your eyes. Or you can leave your eyes open if that's more comfortable for you and depending on where you are. Be aware of the body breathing. Have a deep appreciation of that breath. I think, you know, we're still dealing with, uh, we're still dealing with a pandemic in this world. And I think we can, we, uh, we understand that and we can be even more grateful to our own breath. 
have compassion for those who are still struggling to breathe, struggling to take care of their loved ones who are suffering. So as you breathe in with gratitude for your own breath and the body breathing, Breathe out compassion to those who are struggling with breath and caring for those who are struggling to breathe. You can let your breath be the object, as the anchor you come back to, but your awareness can be on anything else arising. something arises within you in response to something you've picked up through a sense door, try to just be with it. And remember, we can recognize it. 
is just acknowledging that it's there, not trying to push it down. And accept it. That involves seeing it just for what it is. Not for what we want it to be, but seeing it clearly. Sometimes it may be a feeling we need to make friends with, might be very familiar. Or just acknowledge it. And sometimes we can investigate whatever arises, just looking at it, not thinking about it, just looking at it from different points of view, trying to get a little closer, We can let it go or just step away from it. It may be something that we need to come back to. But it may be something we can just let go, move, move through us. Let it go. Let's end our time together with some metta practice. Just uh, sending those good thoughts of friendliness and kindness to ourselves first. Remember our relationship with ourselves is really the most essential one we have. No one else can take care of us the way we can take care of ourselves. We know we need to be with ourselves, be able to 
love ourselves, accept ourselves, may I be well, may I feel safe, may I be content and truly happy, may I live in peace. Peace within and peace without. Then we begin to open up gradually to that wider circle around us. Our loved ones, including our pets. May all of our loved ones be well and feel safe. Be free from suffering and its causes. Be content. And may our loved ones be at peace within and peace without. Now just begin to feel that quality of metta, of loving friendliness, of goodwill. Feel it begin to radiate out beyond the people you know. Out to strangers. Out to people you've never met or seen out to all creatures and all beings. All living beings, human and otherwise. All beings invisible to us. Just radiate this infinite quality out. No limits, no boundaries, no exceptions. Send goodwill. May all beings be free from suffering and the conditions for suffering. May they be free from fear and worry and anxiety, free from hunger and thirst, and free from the, from the extreme weather conditions. May all beings be able to care for themselves or be cared for lovingly. May all beings know peace. So thank you for being with me in my practice. I won't be here tomorrow, Friday, 
I have a doctor's appointment in Wisconsin, so I'll be off on the road earlier. Uh, but I'll see you on Sunday morning. Have a beautiful day.